We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, there at verse 6. And we're going to stay in the book of Isaiah this morning. I'm not going to have y'all flipping all over back and forth, but we'll be, we'll be going to different places in the book of Isaiah, but I'm going to focus mainly on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now, Isaiah verses nine, Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven are famous prophecy of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the prophecy, every bit of this, is came, of course, came true. It was it was written seven hundred years before Christ was born. Seven hundred years. So you think of America, how long America has been a nation? You can just take America and double it. If we could double America in we, another 300-something years, that's how long, 700 and about 725 years before Christ was born, this was written down. So this is amazing prophecy that I'm going to be showing you this morning on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You got the right book. You got the right book in your lap. You got the right book. And you know why you know you got the right book? Because of prophecy, because of stuff what you're about to read right here. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you humbly this morning. And I thank you, Father, for your healing hand you've been giving us in the church, Lord God. And we want to give you all the honor and glory for that. And, Father, I pray you continue to be with our loved ones that weren't able to make it up here this morning, Lord God. I pray you bless them and heal them up, Lord God. But I pray your will be done. But, Father, I pray, Lord, as we open up your scripture this morning, Lord, as we come to you, Lord, to hear from you that you would feed us, Lord. You would supply us what we need, Lord. You'd help these words to come off your page and become real to us, Father. Lord, I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us this morning into all truth. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So I want to preach this morning on unto us, unto us a child is born. Unto us, verse 6, for unto us... A child is born. Who is that us right there? Well, doctrinally, that us there is Israel. This was written by a Jew for the Jews. And Jesus Christ is going to be born. This is obviously a prophecy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born. So to Israel a child is born. He's going to be given. And, a, and to us a son is given. So if that us there is doctrinally is Jesus Christ. I mean, it's Israel. And Jesus Christ is being given to Israel. So Jesus Christ, above all else, is a Jew. He's a Jew. He was born to the Jews. He was given to the Jews. But also, if you're in here this morning and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that us right there, that applies to everybody in here that's a saved, born-again believer. He was given to us. A child, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Every Christian, every Christian can say amen to that. He is given to us. He's given to every believer because Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He was given to us. But we can take that a step further and say that that us, spiritually speaking, is to everybody in the world, the whole world. He was given to the whole world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
He gave His only begotten Son. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Notice it's a son, not a daughter. Why is that important, Brother Keegan? Why can't it be a daughter? It has to be a son. Say, why does it have to be a son? Because Adam's the one that messed everything up. Y'all ladies can agree to that, right? It's always the man that messes everything up. The Bible says that Eve was deceived, but the man wasn't deceived. See, Eve was deceived, but the man, when he took that, he took that fruit that was presented to him, he knew what was going to happen, and he was willing to die with his bride. He didn't have to, but he did. The Bible says it's the first Adam. Do you know that the reason you have sin in your blood, that blood you have running through your body, that blood came from your dad. That blood was given to you from your dad. That's Adam. And that your dad was given to him by his dad, and that sin was passed from his dad for his dad, and generation to generation to generation back. And you can trace it all the way back to Adam, the first Adam, the first man. He sinned, and that's what brought sin in the world, and he passed it on to all his children from there forth. See, it's a son, not a daughter, because it's a man's problem. It's a man that brought it in, the first Adam, and the Bible says the second Adam, Jesus Christ, is going to take it away, the second son of God. Jesus, Adam, the first Adam was the son of God. He was directly created by God. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the second Adam, the second son of God that was created directly by God. See, what's important about this, now turn to Isaiah, turn to Isaiah, just a couple of pages to the left, to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Because medically, I'm talking medically, I'm talking not, this isn't, uh, this is medically, this is scientifically. That blood, when a baby is in the mother's womb, the her, that baby's blood doesn't interact with the mother's blood. That placenta is there. And it's, it's feeding, it's nourishing the baby, it's doing all those things. But that blood of that baby is given to it by its father, not by the mother. Look at verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen. What does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel is God with us. God with us. See, anytime you see that E-L at the end of that, Emmanuel, E-L, that's Elohim. That's God. That's God. So he's saying God with us, Emmanuel. So there's a virgin going to conceive. A virgin, that's a sign. Now, if you have a, a RSV or if you have a New World Translation, it's going to call him a young woman. A young woman shall conceive. What's so special about that? That's not a sign. What's a sign is a virgin conceiving. That's what made it a miracle, right? So if you've got a Bible that says something other than virgin, you've got a trash Bible. You've got the real Bible here. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Why is that so important, Brother King? Why is that so important? Because I remember Bill Clinton, his, uh, supposedly he had a pastor, a Baptist preacher pastor. That's supposedly Bill Clinton. And I'll never forget this. They were talking about his pastor, and it said, Bill Clinton's pastor doesn't believe in the virgin birth. He, doesn't, he believes it was just a young woman. That it wasn't a virgin birth. I remember them talking about that on one of the news channels and everything. And I coo-hawed and laughed. and said, what an idiot. It don't matter if you're, if you're, you're the pastor or the pa president of the United States. You're a moron. The, the virgin birth is, is a very, very important if you understand what's going on in God's plan because that blood that your dad gave you is full of sin. And what happens is the blood of Jesus Christ was given to him by his father, which wasn't Joseph. 
because she was born of a virgin. It was God the Father. So then, therefore, you have Jesus Christ walking around with God's blood in him. Acts chapter 20 says that Jesus Christ, that God gave his, gave, gave his blood for the church. It's God's blood. So Jesus Christ, being born of a virgin, has, therefore he can be what? He can be the son of man because he's born of a woman through the flesh, but the blood is the son of God. He's all God and he's all man. That what, therefore he can reach down with the son of man and grab your hand, and he can reach up with the son of God and grab God's hand, and he can put us together. That's how special Jesus Christ is. If you're interested in any of this I'm talking about, there's a good book called The Chemistry of the Blood by Dr. DeHaan. And he has some chapters in here where he quotes uh, scientifically that the... I'll read some of it. Just quote a couple of this to you. It is unnecessary that a single drop of blood be given to the developing embryo in the womb of the mother. Such is the case according to scientists. The mother provides the fetus with a nutritive elements for the building of that little body and the secret of, of a womb, but all the blood which forms in it is formed in the embryo itself. From the time of conception to the time of birth of the infant, not one single drop of blood ever passes from mother to child. It's, son of, it's a son given to us, not a daughter, because it was man. <laughs> it's man that messed everything up, and man is still messing everything up. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. A, a child is born, unto us a child is born, unto us, unto us a son is given. Unto us a son is given. He's given. He's given to us. It's freely given. That's the best part of it. It's another thing if he's given to us, he goes, okay, I give this to you now, you can make monthly payments. And if you can make monthly payments, and that's what some Christians think. Some Christians think for salvation, I've got to make those monthly payments. I've got to make those weekly payments. I've got to go to church every week, and I've got to give the money to the church. And I go. God doesn't expect anything out of you that way for salvation. He says, here it is. Just take it. It's a free gift. Well, I don't have any money. It don't matter if you have any money. Come on down and get it. It's given to you. Not only is this son given to us, it's given to us freely. Amen. It's given to us freely. Look at Isaiah 55. Look at Isaiah 55. This is, this is the best part of it. It's one thing. Hey, man, there's some really, really nice things out in the world, isn't there? But none of us are going to experience them because we don't have the money to buy them. Man, I, I can think of some cars and some tools I would love to own. It's like, why don't you own those, Brother Keegan? Because I don't have the money. I'm never going to have the money. And they make sure I don't have the money. I don't have the money to buy that stuff. This is the best thing you could ever have, and it's given to you, and it's given to you freely. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Look at the, what the Lord God says here in Isaiah 55, 1. It's freely given to you. Ho, everyone that, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Where does that sound kind of familiar? That sounds like Jesus Christ in John chapter 7. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. I'll give him living waters. That sounds a lot like Jesus Christ when he was in the temple. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Are you thirsty this morning for something? Is your soul thirsting for something? Is it getting around Christmas time and you're starting to get depressed and you see people joyful and you see people have peace and you see people uh, celebrating Christmas and there's, there's a darkness about it. There's, there's, you're not happy. You're just kind of down. You're kind of depressed. You're kinda, you need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsty, because you're thirsting for something. 
Come ye to the waters. You're invited. Everybody's invited. Come ye. Come on. Ye. That ye is important because it's not a you. He said, why is there all those ye's in the, in the Bible? That ye is a plural you. That means everybody. He says, he doesn't say come you. If he said come you, you know what you would think? He's talking to Isaiah. No, he's not talking to Isaiah. He's talking to everybody. Come ye. That's why Jesus Christ said, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. He didn't say you. If he'd have said you, then you'd say, oh, it was Nicodemus he was talking to. He said ye, everybody must be born again. Come ye, everybody. Come on, everybody. Come to the waters. And he that hath no money. I love that. He that hath no money. You know what I like to do? When the bill collector comes around, I like to have a lot of money stashed back. And they say, hey, do you got any money? I'm like, no, I don't have no money. I got money stashed back, but I don't have no money for you. That's what I'm trying to say. He said, hey, you don't have any money? You have no money? Come, you buy and eat. Yay, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. This is a free offer. Jesus Christ was given to the world, given to Israel, given to Christians, and he was given freely. That's the grace and love of our Lord God. This gift is a free gift. It's given without money, without price. Look at verse 2. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? Good question. Are you spending money on something that's not making you happy? Are you spending money on stuff that's not satisfying you? You're spending money on, you're, you're spending your time, you're spending your energy, you're spending your finances, you're spending your emotional, you're spending your, your religious spirit, you're spending something, whatever you're spending, whatever you're spending on, you're spending it all and you're not getting any kind of satisfaction. You're spending it, look, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? It's not going to satisfy you, it's not going to fill you up. I know as a Christian, and I didn't realize it until I became a Christian, is the only thing that's going to fill that hole in your soul is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no religion. There's no other Savior. There's no other teaching. There's no other drug. There's nothing you can drink. There's nothing else you can eat. It's only Jesus Christ. And when you have that hole filled, it satisfies you. It it, that hunger you had for righteousness, it's satisfied. That thirst you had for something, it's satisfied. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? You'll never be satisfied. I always think about Mick Jagger, you know, one of the rock and roll heroes. Had all the money you could buy, all the women you could buy, had all the fame you could want. And he would get up there and sing, I can't get no satisfaction. There's some truth in that. There's some truth in that. One thing that Christians have that the world doesn't have is we have satisfaction. We're satisfied in Jesus Christ. I mean, I can literally say, I can say, no matter what happens, I'm satisfied in Jesus Christ. What if you were to die in a car wreck tonight? I'm satisfied in Jesus Christ. I'm going to wake up in heaven. It makes all the difference in the world. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is satisfied not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. You know, Jesus is he's just simply good. Eat ye that which is good. Jesus is just good. Uh, my testimony about Jesus Christ is, uh, is he's the best thing ever happened to me. He's just good. 
He's not, he's, he's just good. Jesus is good in every way. He was compassionate. He was forgiving. He was loving. He loved his enemies. He died for his enemies. He died while we were yet sinners. He died for us. All these things about Jesus. What is not good about Jesus Christ? They like to mock Jesus Christ. They like to make fun of Jesus Christ. But in reality, when you talk to them, say, well, what did Jesus Christ do you don't like? It's hard to find them saying something. Well, I don't believe in him. Well, I didn't ask if you believed in him. Let's just pretend that he really existed. Like, you don't, you don't think he existed. Okay. But what did he do wrong? What did you read where he did wrong? He does all things well. <laughs> you got the best thing going in Jesus Christ. He's worth everything you're doing. He's worth handing tracks out for. He's worth telling people about. Guys, what do you, there's nothing you can go, no, you can do no wrong talking about Jesus Christ and bragging on him. Because there's so much to brag about. And if you don't have something to brag about on Jesus Christ, you need to repent <laughs> and get right. Because you don't realize what he's done for you. And the satisfaction and the peace he's given you. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. I've got that everlasting covenant. It's called eternal life. Because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. The sure mercies of David. What are the sure mercies of David? David was a murderer. David was an adulterer. What do you mean, Brother Keegan? He's the sure mercies of David. In other words, God showed mercy to David even though he was all these things. You want those? Are you one of these things? Are you one of these sinners that you say, oh, I've done so much sin, there's no way God can forgive me. Yeah, he can. He's, you can, he'll give you the sure mercies of David. What do I got to do, Pastor? Just come on. Just come on and take Jesus Christ. Drink of Jesus Christ. Feast on Jesus Christ. He's given to us, for he's given. Why is he given? Look at, look at chapter 53, Isaiah 53. Why is Jesus Christ given? He's given to us, and I'm showing you that he's freely given to us. It's a free gift. Free gift of eternal life, the best gift the world's ever known. You know, it is Christmas time. I know everybody gets out their Christmas trees and they decorate the Christmas trees, and I love a decorated, I love the look of a Christmas tree decorated up. It's so pretty, so beautiful, and it brings back such good memories for me and my, my family. Just being, seeing a Christmas tree just brings back so, so many good memories and everything. And to see the gifts around a Christmas tree is such a blessing, but you know, God only decorated one tree. And he decorated that tree with the son, his only son. And the gift he put underneath that tree was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's for the whole world. Look at Isaiah 53, look at verse 4. Why was he given? Look at verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Look back up at verse 50, 53. Look at chapter 53, look at verse 1. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now remember, this was written 700 years before Christ. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor commonliness. This prophecy of Jesus Christ shows that Jesus Christ wasn't a good-looking guy. You know, we, we, we have the images of Christ that, that artists have drawn, and they always draw him uh, good-looking. He wasn't a good-looking guy. He's just a normal-looking guy. There's no form nor communist. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He wasn't the most handsome guy. He's just a normal looking guy. Then what made Jesus Christ special when he spoke? 
when he spoke. When we went to arrest Jesus Christ, the temple police went to arrest Jesus Christ. They came back and they said, hey, why didn't you bring him back? And the temple police said, never a man spake like this man. Nobody spoke like Jesus Christ. He looked like a normal guy until he opened his mouth and then it was the words of God. It was God speaking. He is despised, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. All that is prophecy of the rejection of Jesus Christ by the Jews. But look at verse 4. Then why did he come? Why was he given? Why was a son given? Surely he hath borne our griefs. He was given to bear your griefs. You got some griefs this morning? You got some sorrows? Look at that next, next one. And carried our sorrows. He was born to carry your sorrows. He was born to, burden, to, have to carry the burden of your griefs and to carry your sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was crucified, beaten up, whipped. Look at verse 5. Why was the son given? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was given because of our misdeeds. He was given because of our transgressions. He was given because we needed him. See, this is a gift that you might not know you need, but you need. You need Jesus Christ. The world needs Jesus. God's only going to give something that we need. And he gave, he gave he, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the world this gift. So everybody in the world needs this gift. Because you have transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. Verse 5. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was given those bruises for mining your sins and iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was given so our soul could be healed. He was given so he could take away our sins and our griefs. See, where the world gets Jesus Christ wrong, and I think it's the deception of the devil is that the world, when they think of Jesus Christ, they think of Jesus Christ as a prophet, and he was, as a healer, as a miracle worker, and he was, and sometimes as a great teacher, and he was. But all those things are worthless to me and you. None of us have been healed in here. None of us, by, by, that, by the hand of Jesus, physical hand of Jesus Christ, none of us got to see none of this. None of us got to hear his voice. The reason Jesus Christ came is to go to the cross and to die for me and you. That's why he came. That's the only reason he came. And the world gets it wrong, and some Christians get it wrong where they think, Jesus is all these things, and then they stop talking about Jesus. No, no, that's the least important things of Jesus Christ. Those things were done to show you that he was the Son of God, so that when he went to the cross, you can know that is God dying for your sins there. There'd be no doubt. And to finish it off, God raises him from the dead the third day. Then there's no doubt. But the world wants to stop right there and say, well, he was a miracle worker, and he's a great teacher, and he's a great God. Jesus was all those things, but how, if Jesus was to do all these things I talked about and then stop and say, okay, guys, good luck. I hope you can live it, and then he ascended up into heaven, we would all in this room be going to hell right now because none of us could do it. Not a one of us. And Jesus knew it. That's why he was given to us. For our bruises, for our, uh, for our sorrows, for our griefs, for our iniquities, for our transgressions. Because we're all wicked sinners. And we've all gone astray. And we need a shepherd. We need a good shepherd. 
We need somebody to die for us and to pay that penalty that we've all earned. Look at verse 6. All we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. That's us. That whole prophecy in there is of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Look at this. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. That's at the crucifixion, remember? He wasn't speaking, though they're whipping him. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Who's taken from prison and from judgment? Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. That's, a, that's his crucifixion. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. That prophecy happened. When he died, they took him to the tomb of Joseph, a rich man, and put him in the tomb. Jesus didn't have any money. He was laid in a grave with the wicked. Yes, he was. And with the rich in his death. Yes, he was. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Jesus was an innocent man. He told no lies. He didn't deserve to die, but he died. Why did he die? Because of me and you. One of the most humbling things to think about, brother and sister, and it's very, very humbling. I mean, this is very humbling to think about. Is at the crucifixion, whenever Pilate brought Jesus Christ before the people, and he had beat him, and he put this crown of thorns on his head, and he had that purple robe, he was bleeding everywhere, and his face was already swelling up, and his eyes were puffy, and he, he, brings, he brings Jesus before him, and he says, Behold the man! king of the Jews and they yelled out we have no king but Caesar and what did they yell next crucify him crucify him crucify him and they all started chatting crucify him crucify him he goes you want me to crucify your king we have no king but Caesar crucify him they wanted to kill him crucify him and I'm here to tell you this is very humbling if you were to transport Keegan Hall 2,000 years back into the past and put me at the crucifixion and me to look up and see Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, standing there with a crown, blood, beaten up and see them the way they've spit on him and mocked him and see him standing there and hear people yelling, crucify, crucify. What would you do, pastor? This is what I would do. I would bow my head and have to say, crucify. Because without that crucifixion, I'm going to hell. Crucify. Crucify. Everybody in this room would have to say crucify. Because if Jesus Christ wasn't crucified for your sins, we're all going to hell. It's very humbling to think about that. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Look at verse 10. It pleased the Lord to beat Jesus Christ up. It pleased the Lord. Why? It was God's pleasure because he had a plan. He was working something out. It was going to save millions of people. Bring them into heaven. Give them a place up in heaven. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise them. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The Lord looked down at Jesus on the cross suffering and was satisfied. And seeing him grieving and 
My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? He's seen all that in Jesus. And he's seen Jesus going through that. And God was satisfied with that. Why would God be satisfied with a man being crucified and tortured? It pleased him. For he shall bear their iniquities. End of verse 11. He bear mine and your iniquities. That's why the son was given. That's why a child was born. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He had a, he had a thief on each side. And he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's the reason a son was given. Because me and you were sinners, and we needed a Savior. And that Savior was a child given, born of a virgin, Named Emmanuel, God with us. Look back at Isaiah chapter 9 as we're closing. Look back at Isaiah chapter 9. We needed that son given to us. That child is born. A son is given. And his name is Emmanuel. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. Let's go back at Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to close here. Do you see all these places I'm turning to are in Isaiah? And they're all prophecies of the future. They were going to take place 700 years later. Guys, this is an amazing book. And the Bible says in Revelation that what's the testimony of Jesus Christ? The spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus Christ is he's a prophet. He's telling you what's going to happen in the future. And all this is future, what we're reading about. And here, verse 6, for unto us, a, Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That's first advent. That's his first coming. Look at the colon. See that colon there after given? And then read next. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. It never was. <laughs> That's a prophecy. That, the government was never on Jesus' shoulder. But it will be in the millennial kingdom. That's verse 7. And I'm about to read it. It will be. So you're seeing one colon. One colon is separating out the first advent and 2,000 years later, the second advent when the millennial kingdom comes in, his second coming. And one verse, you've got just a colon right there. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Is Jesus wonderful? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Because he does wonders. He does wonders. He walks on water. He calms the sea. He heals the unhealable. He raises the dead. Jesus did lots of wonders. But the reason why I call him wonderful today is he saves wicked sinners. That's wonderful. Amen. Amen. He brings peace to a sinner's heart that's never experienced peace before. That's wonderful. I had a brother ask me, when's the last time you've been in the prisons? It's been a couple years. But I know I've been in the prisons and I've seen men, hardened criminals, receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and see the look on their face as the first time in their adult life, the first time in their life they felt real peace come into their heart through Jesus Christ. And the tears of joy scroll down their face as the peace, the Prince of Peace, comes into their heart and starts residing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing, our Lord and Savior. He will be called His name. His name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. Why is His name called Counselor? Because He gives really good advice. He's a counselor, and He gives really, really good advice. Like love your enemies. Forgive others. Do unto others as you had done unto thee. 
I'm going to read you some of our counselor's advice. Just sit back for a couple minutes, and I'm going to read these. These are all coming out of the Gospel of John. For This is what Jesus said. This is direct quotes of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. We just read that in Isaiah 55. The thirsting and the bread, right? Jesus said, I am that bread. I am the bread of life. Jesus said of this, he said of this, he said, Ye shall know the truth, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And if the Son, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Unto us a Son is given. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. He's a wonderful Man, Savior, he's a counselor. His name is called Wonderful. His name is called Counselor. His name is called the Mighty God. Why? Because he has God's blood running through him. He is the Son of God. He's God manifest in the flesh. That verse right there destroys a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses. They can't get around it. Because that prophecy there shows you that he will be the Mighty God. God Almighty is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, the creator of me and you, and our Savior. That's true love. The everlasting Father. He's called the everlasting Father because through His, through his sacrifice, we're able to be born again and have God the Father. God now is now our Father. And of course, the Father being, God being a trinity, you got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the everlasting Father. Beautiful stuff, guys. The Prince of Peace. Yes. The Prince of Peace. Because one day he's going to be the King of Peace. And when he hits that kingdom and he becomes a King of Peace, there'll be peace like man's never known on this earth. The lion laying down with the lamb, the children playing on the rattlesnakes, all these things I quote to you all the time, that's going to be the peace that the Prince of Peace is going to bring in. And that's only through this Son that's given to us, named Jesus Christ. That's him. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. This is forever, guys. Upon the throne of David, it's a Jewish Jerusalem throne. Upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. This isn't just some guy coming along for a little while and leaving. This is forever. Ever and ever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is going to happen. So when you read this in verse 7, you say, well, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but all the other stuff has happened. So you know what that tells you? That's going to happen too. It will happen. Be ready. It's going to happen. Christ is coming back. Are you ready? And when he comes back, he's not going to come back as a little baby in a manger. When Christ comes back, he's going to come back as king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to come back sitting on a white horse. He's going to have a sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to come back in a fiery judgment. Are you ready for him? Are you his brother? Are you his sister? Or are you just an enemy to Jesus Christ? The zeal of the Lord will perform this. I'm going to close in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. I kind of lied to you. 
kind of misspoke because I wanted to show you one more verse in closing. I think this is important. And we are closing. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. So it's Christmas time and the Son is given to us. A child is born, a Son is given to us, and we shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't forget about the miraculous birth, virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's amazing. It is a mystery of the mystery of godliness, the Bible says. It's a mystery that God would put himself into flesh and walk among us and be with us. It's a mystery. But here God, he's talking to Israel and he's talking to you and he's talking to me this morning. And he says in verse 18 this. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Lord wants to clean you up. So I don't know if I want to be cleaned up. Listen, man. The Lord is reasonable. Come now and let us reason together. That's something between you and God. Is everything okay between you and God? Can you say, yes, everything's okay with me, between me and God? Or do you have to say, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know. Well, it can be. So well, I've got a lot of sin. I've done some things I shouldn't do. I've done some... It can be clean. You can be cleansed. You can be white as snow. You can be, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God can take whatever sin you have and he can wipe that slate clean. Well, how does God do that? Through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That blood that was born of a virgin. That blood that was in that child that was born of a virgin. That didn't have Adam's blood running through it. You know why you're a sinner? Because of your dad. You say, well, that's not fair. I didn't ask for it. I know you didn't ask for it. It isn't fair. And Romans chapter 5 says, just like sin, by one man, sin came into the world, Adam. By one man, Jesus Christ, sin's going to leave the world. That righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. Do you have it? This Christmas, this, as we're going up on Christmas, and they're gonna, you're going to hear a lot more about Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ and him being born of a virgin. Do you know that that son was given to you for you to be saved? And to have a way out and a ticket into heaven? Or are you just thinking, oh, that's just a, something, this is a fairy tale. That's something that just happened that doesn't apply to me. It does apply to you. And God personally says, hey, come now, come on, let us, me and you, not you and your wife or husband or spouse or father, just me and you, let us, let's, us, let's talk together. Let's reason together. Let's reason it out. God wants to make it right. Remember, whenever Adam sinned, and he did sin, Adam went and hid, and you know what happened? God came looking for him. Adam, Adam, where art thou? Adam. Adam was hiding. God knew where he was. He wanted Adam to confess it. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ, because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.